All right, you ready to do this? Yeah. Okay, I got an intro. Okay, sweet. Spoiler alert! This show show explores television content that's been available for consumption for quite some time. If a spoiler or two slips into the conversation, well, you were warned. Here is this week's show show with Sweets and Slaney. We have a lot to cover. I've, I've been excited to do this episode of the show show for weeks. Yeah, I put I put more work into this one than I do most in the I, sense that I like surfed around. And that's like, cool because yeah. I, I didn't like I yeah. have I have a certain wealth of, of knowledge as a geek and I made this enormous list, but I, I, I didn't really like do a bunch of research or make well, a bunch of question notes. When I said I worked, I really kind of just went on YouTube for a, a couple hours. And that's great. Watch things. Yeah. Where the hell do you want to start? I don't know. Let's... <laughs> Steve Allen? We're, we're talking about <laughs> late night. Honestly, Steve Allen, a person I did not get to. No, and I didn't either. Okay. I, and, and the other thing is that, yeah, okay, let's, let's start there. We're talking about late night talk shows, the genre in general, mm-hmm. um, the evolution. Steve Allen's Tonight Show, which was the, the first iteration of the Tonight Show in 54, I'm not really sure what the format, what the formula looked like respective to Johnny Carson's Tonight Show. Right. But everybody always says that the talk show format we use now is Johnny Carson's model. Oh, uh, okay. So I'm not really sure how different it looked before that, before 62 when Johnny Carson came around. Right. Was there more like corny kind of sketches and stuff beforehand? Was it more vaudevillian or... Maybe it was more vaudevillian or or maybe it was just like... Maybe it was more Ed Sullivan-esque. I mean, it was just like sure. two people talking, whereas maybe maybe right. Johnny Carson turned it into a comedy show. No, because Steve Allen and Jack Parr were comedians. Right. You know who I was wondering about who we put on the list as like a late night host was Arsenio Hall. Yeah. I only watched one tiny segment with him and Michael Jordan. And it made me wonder if he was supposed to be a comedian because it, he seemed more like a, like a just straight up interviewer. Yeah. I think, I think Arsenio was a comedian, right? But he's not a part of the discussion of comedy. Like nobody, when they're talking about their heroes or the, the people they grew up alongside in the comedy world in the eighties or whatever, nobody says, Oh yeah. Arsenio was at the cellar that week. And like, you, right. never, you never hear that. Yeah, I don't think so. But you hear the show talked about quite a bit. I mean, a little bit. I think that that show was the first in quite a long time to subvert the formula. Right. Um, and also, it was the first person brave enough to go up against Johnny other than David Letterman, right. which was also kind of an institution by the time Arsenio happened. Sure. And he was bringing in an audience that had never watched late night television sure, before. yeah. That makes sense. So I guess it was a different perspective. I mean, like he was the first black guy to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, but the show was only on for five years. Right. And then it came back in 2013 for one year. And how was that? Did, was that received well or? I don't, I, don't, I don't know if it matters because it was on for less than a year. Right. <laughs> uh, yeah. And I don't, th- yeah, I think the answer to that is obviously no then because neither of us really know. But if they were to make a list of the top, 20 most iconic late night moments in history bill clinton playing saxophone on arsenio hall right would, would be on there yeah i forgot that was a thing and i think that's probably t- towards the end of the list of iconic moments that happen with the show but sure. that matters yeah definitely i'm trying to think about when that happened that was was that before bill clinton was president no he was definitely president at he the was time president that's what was cool about it right i mean and even now obama will go on Jimmy Fallon or The Daily Show or sure. there's a handful of shows that have a big enough audience that they can they can justify like it's it's important 
as a cultural person that the president go on this show. But I'm not sure that happened before Arsenio. Like, no. I, I'm not sure if, like, if, like, Reagan went on Johnny Carson in the 80s. Right. Maybe Play in the 60s. Like banjo. Yeah. <laughs> you imagine? Maybe in the 60s as an actor. Yeah, exactly. Right. Who who out of the list is kind of your your favorite? Is there a standout for you? I... It's weird because like I've I've always really cared about this genre of television. I don't know if it like goes back to when I like first wasn't sleeping in high school and I kind of like fell in love with it a little bit. Like okay. this is like new, exciting current programming that's on opposite infomercials. I mean, yeah, I I was in high school in like the late first decade of the two thousands. It's not like I grew up in the sixties, but like right. yeah, I think that's when I first kind of discovered that it was that it was cool and exciting and then and then I looked back at the history of it a little bit. As much as I think it's really hot right now and everybody's doing like a pretty good job and we've got a lot of talented people in the slots, I don't mm-hmm. know if any of them is my guy. Right. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like I, I really loved Craig Ferguson's Late Late Show. Right. I remember I remember that. Period. I went to see him actually at the Rebecca Cohen a couple of years ago with my dad. Yeah. And uh, the Hot and Grumpy Tour it was called. <laughs> and uh, he was really funny. He's just like, I mean, again, subversion. He... he took the formula and he he laughed in its face like right. he had a he had a routine when the guest would come out where he'd pick up his cards and tear them up and throw the confetti over his shoulder right every guest he would tear up the cards right so that was just a it was snarky sure and i loved that and i mean you want to talk about a guy who should have a podcast oh Craig, yeah that Craig would be Ferguson awesome Ferguson would have a fucking great podcast with his robot co-host <laughs> jeff peterson <laughs> yeah yeah what was his name jeff peterson jeff peterson yeah. Yeah. that was the name of the robot who co-hosted the late show the late late show with craig ferguson but that's, that's another awesome. that's another thing they were lampooning just the idea that yeah. one of these shows has to have a like, snarky less good looking sidekick right. yeah so they literally had a robot <laughs> That is so funny. Like I wish I I wish I knew to watch it more then. For the it was so weird. Like there were the number of puppets on that show. Yeah. So <laughs> many puppets. And like for the first I think it was on for eleven years. For the first like four years, they used to get a lot of uh mail and tweets and whatever of people accusing them of having a laugh track. There's no studio audience there. You never show the audience. And so then eventually they started to show the audience a little bit more. Right. But it was just, their set looked so basement-y. So rinky-dink. And, and on purpose to a certain degree. Yeah. My guy was always kind of Conan. I loved Conan. How do you feel about where Conan is now? Do you think Conan's happy? You know what? I hope he is because I was watching more recent clips. Like, we don't have TBS, so we don't really have much of an opportunity. Although I think it might be on Comedy Central or something. I'm sure I could watch it if I really wanted to. Yeah. And I, if I set a series recording for it and watched it every day, I would continue to watch it every day because I find him really funny. Sure. I watched him on The Late Show, like, you know in high school and stuff. And that was a really important thing he was doing. Like he right. really and and one of the one of the coolest uh success stories at least in terms of like notoriety. Yeah. I think that has ever existed in celebrity culture. This is a guy who had never been on television before. Right. And Lorne Michaels said we're going to give him his own show. Yep. After the Tonight Show. Yes, this and, was after he wrote on Saturday Night Live and The Simpsons. And the Simpsons. But yeah. yeah, he didn't but he did a character voice on The Simpsons for the monorail guy. Did he? Yeah. And he played extras monorail, on SNL monorail. and stuff too. Yeah. But he was not an actor. He was not no, a performer. He didn't no. do stand up. And if you watch his like first monologue on late night. It's kinda 
it's, hurting. it's very awkward and like yeah. he was in trouble for a long time and people would would say you know who's this fucking conan guy because there's also a protectiveness where people see somebody it happened a little bit with james corden though he found his footing really quickly people Definitely. are like who the hell is this guy right and why is he on my fucking television right and so people were defensive and reticent to accept conan into their their darkened apartment mm -hmm. until they realized no this guy is supremely funny yeah and and what he's doing is is a lot different from what other people are doing although dave letterman kind of started with the i think we might have talked about this before with how silly and ridiculous like all of a sudden a dancing hot dog would come out and totally. that was like the thing and then conan kind of ran with that a little bit too took it further took it further to like a more ridiculous level which i loved like the randomness the absurdity of the yes. show i have a I don't know if I can call this a theory because I don't know if it checks out, but I wondered when I was making this list of all the late night talk show hosts I can think of, and I came up with, well, I think there's like 30 here. Is every talk show host either a Jay or a Dave? Um, Craig I Ferguson. Mean, Craig Ferguson's a Dave. Dave. Conan's a Dave. Jimmy Fallon, definitely a Jay. Jay. Yeah. Kimmel's a Dave. Like right. the people yeah. who seem to have, and it's it's no, I mean, I know a lot of people say a lot of shit about, about Jay. I, I mean, I prefer Dave too, but right. it's just, they're very Every, different. I think everyone does. There's, I don't think anyone's more of a J guy even. I don't know, because there are definitely people who are more of a Fallon guy than a Kimmel guy. Yeah, sure. The, there, there's just a, a mainstream quality to it. There's a middle American quality to some of these shows. Right. Whereas the other ones are a little bit more absurd, a little bit more niche. Yeah, I think a lot of the, a lot of the J mentality comes from like i want to be a people pleaser hmm. and a lot of the letterman mentality comes from like i want to be a shit disturber and kind of dry and make fun of the guests sure as well. and like, dave did that a lot like early on like yeah there were there were guests who were nervous to go on dave for the same reason people are still nervous to go on howard stern right it's a it's a bit of a myth that he'll he'll pick on you but dave did it like right up until probably like eight years before he went off the air. Right. When, when Harry was born, he really softened. Yeah, and I don't think that Howard wants to pick on people as much as he wants questions answered. Like he's he wants... legitimately curious about things that might make people uncomfortable, but he's just like, come on, come on, answer it. Like, he doesn't I, want to pick on, on you, the guest. He wants you to come on and pick on other people with him. Right. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. That's a good way of putting it. So he pushes you towards that i mean howard has a has a, a beautiful history with letterman and like he's he's very passionate about the late night wars and anytime he has on somebody who's from like the current era of late night right he he tries to like stir something up he'll mm -hmm. he'll try and talk about competition and it seems like the diplomatic thing to do is say no seriously we want we want the best for each other and like obviously i like all the shows and there's probably some truth to that. Right. More likely, they don't really think about the other shows that much, probably. Right. But Howard very badly still wants there to be a rift in the late night community. Yeah. That maybe doesn't exist anymore. I don't think it really does. What would you say Colbert is? He's probably a Dave. Well, you know what? He might be an exception because he's not a J. Yeah. But he's not a Dave. No, he's not as like... He's more of a Dave than a J, I guess. He's very thoughtful. Yes. An interesting thing about the offset between Colbert and, and Fallon is that each network has like a silly guy who's affable and you want to hug. And mm. each network has a guy who uses words. He's very word heavy. Sure. They just don't compete with each other. Like 
uh, Corden is up against Seth Meyers, whose greatest asset is cue cards. Right. He is so fucking good when he's reading cue cards. Yeah. And Corden doesn't do that. Corden does carpool karaoke. Right. Whereas Jimmy Fallon has lip sync battle and freestyling with the roots and yeah. uh, all of this silly stuff, uh, charades with his guests or whatever. Whereas over on Colbert, he's talking to Will Smith about race relations right. and how it's gotten better since Fresh Prince. Yeah. You know, so I mean, it's not saying enough to say that Colbert's current late show is embattled, but there's something good in there. He just hasn't he hasn't right. ice picked it he out. He hasn't yet. he hasn't uncovered covered it as fast as Corden did, who's kind of giving Fallon a little bit of a run for his money, although they're in different time slots. But if you consider YouTube hits uh, popularity Corden's scores, he, I mean, the Adele Carpool Karaoke is the most viewed viral late night video in history it it outshot everything jimmy fallon's ever done yeah it's at like 150 million views right and he's not i mean he's i guess funny enough in them but he's not doing anything that's like insane it just creates this sense of i want to hang out with these people right and that's that's what's totally what's so popular about about these videos is that oh my god selena gomez sings in the car too or like oh my god they know all the words to the rent song like i do or whatever it is so so it creates a relatability factor which which jay didn't have jay didn't have jay leno didn't have a have the i want to hang out with these people quality no it was really just hey jay's interviewing this person he might have a one-liner every five minutes and he was (laughs) fine i mean it's so interesting when you see Jay in like any other context. When he's a guest on someone else's talk show, or if he's doing stand up, or he almost comes off as like a little more smug. Totally, which is kind of funny. When he was on comedians and cars getting coffee, yeah. he's got this edge to him. Yeah, where like he's kind of irritated about the world, and like he's like he he kind of thinks other shit is stupid, and you're like that's a more interesting person. Right, but that's him being more natural, and I yeah. think his late night persona was him acting and then he kind of got stuck in this act of like yeah yeah so uh so what else (laughs) well it's it's what the the network clearly wanted and and twice to be twice and to be fair to both nbc and jay leno he was never second to david letterman no never ratings wise no it's crazy people love the and i'm again i don't want to to be reductive towards jimmy fallon who i obviously think is incredibly talented love jimmy fallon i do love jimmy fallon but he is, I don't want to say lowest common denominator, but he's the broadest common denominator. He's able to impact a broad audience, for yes. sure. Right. That's a good way of putting it. And it, part of that is that he'll never talk about race relations with Will Smith. There's there's, right. there's a completely non-partisanship to The Tonight Show. And he'll, it's funny, like he will take shots at some, some people. Like I remember he had uh, Chris Christie on and made like a fat joke about him and kind yeah. of kept going with it. But then I didn't know how scripted that was. And if they cleared that with Chris Christie first. Well, or... they've definitely done it a bunch. And Chris Christie's been a regular on that show right. enough that he's he's had a good sense of humor about the weight jokes. I mean, he has to learn to take those fucking yeah, weight jokes. Totally. The only, the only criticism I'd have of when Jimmy Fallon is being uh, a little bit irreverent is that he has one little trope to identify every single person's shortcomings so chris christie's fat joe biden is a child in an old man's body right you know trump is 
huge or whatever like it's you're right there's one thing that defines each person you can almost all the jokes are drawn from that characteristic i sat down with my girlfriend one day and we were watching jimmy fallon and it was like a recording and i said okay what's the over under on him making these five jokes and he actually, by the end of it, hit all of those jokes. Yeah. It was like a Hillary doing something. It was like something that was in the news at the time. When I first started doing radio, mm-hmm. I would occasionally notice one of the talk show hosts, Conan or whatever, would make the same joke in the monologue that I made on the air earlier that day. Right. And I used to like play it up like, oh my God, they stole from me, which is a terrible thing to say. It's so lame in hindsight. <laughs> but in the inside, I loved that my mind was going in the same direction. Sure. And now when it happens, I get really annoyed yeah. because I start to say, I didn't work very hard was on that. Was that the easiest that way to get That was so easy and you were easy too. So why aren't you trying harder? Well, that's the thing about, they have a staff working for them. Yeah. And then they pick the joke that works best. Right. So, or at least they have the decision to. Well, and I mean, I don't know if you heard uh, Seth Meyers on WTF the other day, but no. Was Whoa, he was on WTF. Monday, it was great. Oh, okay, I gotta um, listen to it. Yeah, he's been really good on Howard a couple of times too, but he talked about the evolution of his show, which just, by the way, really found its footing. Yeah, I and like it. I really like that I show. I really like it, and when they were doing live shows after the conventions the couple weeks in a row, yes. I couldn't believe how well they pulled it together. Right. They, and the shows were live, and then you remember, oh, right, Seth can do live really fucking well. Totally. And... He talked on on Mark Maron about how when they first started the show, they wanted to stick to your standard formula, and he he did a standing monologue. And it's not that the jokes were bad; you just noticed Seth didn't know what to do with his hands. There was oh, okay. just like there was just an awkwardness to it. I it was probably a year in or like eight months in where they didn't tell anybody they were going to do it differently. One day, Seth just came out. You know, they did the intro. The band was winding down. And instead of hitting his mark, he sat at the desk desk. and he smirked at the camera like, I know I'm not doing it the right way. Right. But then the camera angle changed and a graphic appeared over his right shoulder. And you're like, yes. Right. He's doing the Saturday Night Live thing that he's so good at. Right. But he talked about how they they didn't want to do that at first because he didn't want to be seen as only being able to do one thing. But no, if that's the thing you're really good at. Play to your strengths. Yes. Yeah. And it also, it allows them to do jokes quicker. Mm-hmm. They can move on from a joke. Right. You also have a broader ability to convey a joke if you have a visual right. above if you. Right. If you have a, a visual, you can say just one word. Or sometimes no words. Like, you know how on updates, sometimes they'll they'll wait and they won't turn the graphic on right away. They'll deliver the setup and then the, the graphic At is the, the punchline. Punch yeah. Yeah, yeah. Sure. Can't think of an example. I, but know, like, I know exactly what you mean, though. Yeah. So... So honestly, right now, Seth Meyers is my favorite uh, of the mainstream late night shows. Sure. I would say Last Week Tonight's another one that that hits home for me too. Yeah. I try to catch that as much as possible. And I mentioned that I think that's going to win the the Emmy. Right, the Emmy. I think that show, I was a big fan of him when he was on The Daily Show too, John Oliver. And I've really liked everything he's done. I liked him as Professor Duncan in Community. Would you prefer had he been given The Daily Show over Trevor Noah? Um, No, because he basically did the same thing, but on a weekly basis and I think he gets his pick of all of the best things. I don't think he would have been Well, first of all, he let's let's set aside the fact that he fucking didn't want it. Right. But a lot of people will say, "Gee, I wish this was John Oliver's show because he did it really well when John was away." Right. When John Stewart was away making his movie. Mm-hmm. 
And a lot of people are dissatisfied with Trevor Noah. Another guy I think is really good and yeah. not being given a chance. I couldn't find any of his clips online because Comedy Central fucked it. Right, right. John Oliver, I mean, his show is not exactly the same as The Daily Show. It's almost like a magazine-style show where they take a topic, and it doesn't even have... We talked about this before. It doesn't even have to be 100% topical. topical. Right, they and we just, wondered if there's if he just has a bunch in the can. I'm sure he does. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know if the episodes are in the, can, in the can, but, like, yeah. they've got some jokes ready for if they right. have a slow... We'll do FIFA this week because... Right. There's nothing going on. There wasn't well, a mass shooting. And right now, if nothing else, there's Donald Trump up the yeah. wazoo. Did yeah, you see exactly. what Donald Trump said this week? No. I'm not going to be able to quote him, but the the what everyone's taking away from it is basically he said, um, advocates of, of the Second Amendment and that we keep it, um, if Hillary's elected, get her. Right. Like, I mean, those are not exactly the words yeah. he used. And now everyone's like on his side who's saying that, that that's been misconstrued and maybe so but like it is the most fucked up thing he said so far get her yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah there's did you see there's a thing on cracked which is basically uh it's kind of a joke about like a comedy writer getting off the phone and it's supposed to be with donald trump and they're like okay man <laughs> we're going to have a presidential campaign for donald trump and yeah they're like oh man that's gonna be so funny <laughs> Yeah, yes, it will be so funny. Yeah. And then it like keeps going. It's like, okay, uh, call this person a Nazi. And then uh, <laughs> when that like, like giving all these directives for just absolute anarchy and they're becoming so depressed at the fact that America is really obsessed with it. Yeah. Like, like becoming obsessed with Donald Trump. Is it almost like it's like a reverse Truman show where everybody is the, is the victim and one guy is, is in on it? Right. <laughs> well, well, Trump and the two, the two, the producers or whatever, the script writers, yeah, or uh, speech writers are okay. supposed to be in on it. Oh my god. Yeah, and then so they keep getting calls from Donald Trump, and he's just crying because he didn't want it at all. <laughs> Which I kind of think, based on some of the things that you hear. Well, I think originally he didn't want it, but right. then you know he saw that it's actually a possibility. Right. And and there's no consequence for the for the like the hedonistic vile and spiteful things that he says right if i was working on one campaign i would rather be working on trump's campaign less work well there's way less at stake like you just wouldn't feel like i i would feel like i need to pull over nighters to run hillary's campaign and like she's gonna make a difference in this world with trump you could just be like yeah yeah, but he I mean he can make a difference in this world. Yeah, oh I mean, yeah, that's true. You, you know, like that's and, true. And I mean, that's, I guess if if you're working on Trump's campaign, you think he's going to make America great again or whatever. But like right. Hillary's team, which I mean, it's I'm not going to say that they haven't been working hard, but the last couple of weeks, it's been a down a down couple of weeks for them, right? Because Trump has like royally stuck his foot in his mouth a couple of times. Well, and all they're doing in their campaigns, like in their TV ads and stuff now are basically taking sound bites of what he said and saying like Trump said that he didn't think that Mexicans should be able to cross the border and he's got a great brain, yeah. a very good brain or yeah. something like this is actually a quote that he said. Somebody made a compilation video I saw yesterday of all the times Trump has contradicted uh, himself. Uh, no, although I'm sure that exists as well. Um, all the times he's sourced a lot of people. <laughs> like yeah. every, every time he backs up some like, <laughs> Fakakta fact. Yeah. He's just like a lot of people are saying that. Right. A lot of people think I'd be a great president. And I would be a great that's president. That's not a source. Right. Yeah. You're right. <laughs> Seth Myers is doing uh, a reoccurring thing where 
on behalf of NBC, he's offering Trump his own sitcom, like his own primetime TV right. show, wherein he is the president. So, like, <laughs> yeah. no responsibilities. Right. But you get to pretend you're the president. You can say whatever you want. So I think that's kind of amusing. That is awesome. So we we're talking about John Oliver. Uh, speaking of British people, didn't have much of a knowledge, I guess, of Graham Norton and Jonathan Ross. What are your thoughts there? Jonathan Ross, I found, was kind of, he was more of a bystander, I think. He's a, I think he's a bit of a prick. Yeah. Well, he's he's got a bit of a sordid uh, past in terms of uh, tabloid stuff. Like, he's made some mistakes. And, like, oh, okay. there was a situation, I think, that involved Russell Brand, where they both almost killed both of their careers. Um, I forget what happened Whoa, exactly, what? but it was like a prank. Like they were leaving somebody a voicemail message and they took it too far. Oh, like they were wow. pranking a celebrity and it like really didn't look good. Graham Norton, I think is maybe the best TV host in the world. Really? Yes. He's, he's pretty funny from what I saw. He's really funny. And just outside of his personality on screen, he's, he seems to create puppet master, the greatest ease Right. Of any of them. And, yeah. and and Corden's trying to do that a little bit, like where yeah. he has all the guests out there at once. Oh, and does he do that too? He okay. does that too. And this seems to be going away a little bit, that the first guest will stick around for the second guest. You don't right. see that on Fallon very much anymore. You never see it on Colbert. You're right. And and you used to see it on all of the shows. They it used would still to be, be the way the it couch. went. Yeah. yeah. They, they came up first, so they get to stick around. I mean, unless they don't want to. Right. Um, maybe it happens occasionally. If it's like... If it's a comedian, maybe they'll do it because they know that they can... Or, like, maybe Jimmy Fallon would be happy if Andy Samberg is out there while he talks to uh, some B actress from How to Get Away with Murder in case she's boring. Right. And maybe they're making more of the calls on that now. Like, hey, I'm wondering if you can stay out. But right from Jump, the James Corden guests all come out at once. And he's doing a pretty good job of making it conversational, but not like Graham Norton. Right. It's as if, like, Jennifer Lawrence and Meryl Streep and Johnny Depp. And that's the other thing is, the like, the star-studded quality of that show is Johnny amazing. Depp, every Like, I, I watched the best of clip that was like 14 minutes long and johnny depp was in like three times is he like a regular on that show or something well johnny depp has always been famous for only having a couple of favorite places to go right letterman being one letterman was always one of them and now i've noticed he started going to kimmel oh kimmel seems like a natural uh and kimmel absolutely worships dave letterman he had a late night themed birthday party when he was a child right and hates leno oh do you remember when when the conan fiasco was going down in like 2010 or whatever it was yeah jay had a primetime tv show so the deal was and i was so amazed the other day i told becky that we were going to talk about uh late night shows on the podcast and i couldn't wait to talk about all the late night war stuff and she didn't know what that meant and oh really? so i was like well you know that conan hosted the tonight show for seven months and she was like no i didn't know that oh wow and so like in my head that's the most important uh, pop cultural shift that's happened in my lifetime, but it probably <laughs> isn't. It just mattered so much to me at the time. Yeah. So Conan is told in five years, you're going to get to move up from 1230 to host the Tonight Show. Which was such a long time. I remember being five in, years. in like grade nine or 10 and hearing the five years thing and yeah. thinking like, well, great, I'll be in university right. and that's going to be awesome. I'm happy for Conan, but that's so long to wait. And that was their way of softening the blow to Jay, who had shown no interest in retiring right. anytime soon. So they were like, well, Jay, I think we're probably going to like, you know, start to go after a younger audience, but not for like five years. And right. so Jay was like, okay, I guess. And so then the five years ran out and Conan took over the Tonight Show and Jay 
kind of arranged it so that he wouldn't have to stop doing his job. Right. He got a new TV set and he started to do started to do a prime time late night show. Kind it was of. like a late night show, but it was done at like ten o'clock instead of eleven thirty right. on NBC. The ratings for it were terrible, and Conan's Tonight Show ratings weren't good either. So they decided they would give it back to Jay Leno. Actually, no. They decided they would get... Remember this? Nobody talks about this. They decided they would move Jay's new show back to 11.30 for a half an hour, and they'd move The Tonight Show with with Conan O'Brien back a half an hour. And Conan decided that 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 was a crime against the nature of the greatest property in television history right and he said if you're if you're not going to give me what i was supposed to get which is this time slot i'm gonna leave and so they gave him 40 million dollars and he's he's not allowed to be on a network anymore but jay leno got the tonight show back for another four or five years Mm -hmm. and when nbc said okay jay like we told you a few years ago, we want to get a younger audience, so we're going to give it to Jimmy Fallon in a couple of years. Right. At this point, he was like, okay, well, I don't want the Brad Press I got last time for stealing The Tonight Show from somebody. Sure. So he, he stepped aside pretty gracefully. Uh, and I heard him say recently that he doesn't miss it, which is kind of interesting. Yeah. A uh, long way of saying when, when, when Jay was briefly doing that primetime talk show, he had a segment where his one of his guests would be on satellite. He would have them on a big screen right. and he would ask them like five questions or eight questions or something. 10 questions. It was 10 questions at 10. Okay. Um, and right in the middle of the Conan, Jay, is Conan going to lose the Tonight Show fiasco? Jay, Kimmel, de- Jay decides he's going to have Kimmel as his 10 uh, at 10 yeah, guest. Yeah, I remember it now. And Kimmel roasted Jay Absolutely on his own show. tore a strip he off of it. torched him. It, and, and Jay was clearly uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Like, I, But it, it must have been live. I don't know if it was live, but there was nothing they could do to edit it. And Jay was right. a good enough sport. And it was also, it was ridiculous to ignore what was going on. Right. So they just kind of had to go with it. But if you YouTube... Like Jimmy Kimmel on Jay Leno, it's it's very bizarre. Oh, I know. And if you if you just Google Jimmy Kimmel Jay Leno, there's so much interesting stuff that he said. Like mm-hmm. there is a Rolling Stone article where it basically seems like Jimmy Kimmel's like obsessed. Yeah, he is a little bit. I think. with with the Jay Leno Letterman feud. Well, this and is- he's like driving by a comedy club at one point, like. I bet Jay Leno was in there. Right I was. Now. I remember that Rolling Stone article. Yeah. He was with the guy who was doing his portfolio for that interview, and Kimmel was driving, and he said, "I bet Jay's in there right now." And yeah. Like the the interviewer, the the writer, was just kind of like, "Whoa, this is kind of deep." Yeah. But that was what was so poetic about the 2010 late night wars, and like I think Bill Carter wrote another book because it was like. How is this happening again? Right. Involving most of the same people. Yeah. <laughs> in yeah. the same property. In 19, what, 93 or whatever, David Letterman, who had been Johnny's fucking favorite, everybody knew he was Johnny's favorite, and he followed Johnny for nine years or 13 years or something crazy yeah. in the late night slot. David Letterman was so widely considered the rightful heir to the status of The Tonight Show. Right. And then they gave it to Jay Leno. And there was there was rumors of Jay Leno like hiding in a closet and stealing exec notes or something. Like just ridiculous stuff. Have that you ever heard of the movie? Have you the ever edge? seen the movie The Late Shift? No. I have, have you? Yeah. Is it good? It's... I mean, it's a it's a TV movie, right? So it's not like it's it's not like network Patty Chayefsky or anything, but it's like it's got Kathy Bates in it. 
Oh, really? And uh, yeah, she plays Jay's notoriously lunatic manager who, okay. like, I guess at the time, because the, the movie is about how Dave actually doesn't get the Tonight Show like everyone expected him to. And so much like Conan, he leaves NBC and, and starts up a show that is in direct competition at nice. CBS. And so uh, Jay's manager, who ends up getting fired uh, so many years later, I forget her name, she tried to instigate a rule that if you ever went on the late show with david letterman you were never allowed on the tonight show again oh wow. and so this i like kept up for a couple of years which is why there are certain guests like johnny depp who never went on the tonight show again right because like they 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 were told once they weren't allowed to come and they just said and they were like then. okay well then i'm gonna go to dave because dave's nice to me right which is ironic because dave had a bit of a reputation for not being nice being to certain dick. people yeah yeah but that's what was poetic about about the late shift is that it fucking happened again, right? With different people. That's true, and it still involved Jay Leno. And it still involved. So this is why Jay Leno has a bit of a reputation for being uh, a wolf in sheep's clothing, right? For being a bit of a snake. It's interesting because whenever you hear like the comedy greats or like the who remains of the comedy greats, which is to say like Jerry Seinfeld, yeah. Uh, whenever you hear them talk about like back in the day, Jay Leno is always called the best stand-up he's always said like in the 70s no one was better than than jay leno and in fact i've heard david letterman say that i think he said it to oprah like no back in the day everybody wanted to be as good as as jay jay is jay was an incredible stand-up and to his credit he's a a workaholic who still does stand-up every sunday night very hard worker so i mean i've never seen him live but like apparently he does he does blue content and it's a very different jay and he, and he still goes like does like nightly comedy shows yeah I, I, he definitely has he never he out. hasn't missed a sunday since the 80s right at the comedy store i think right trying to see if we missed anyone here john stewart obviously kind of a trailblazer in the news comedy category yeah is it is it stating too much to say that that john stewart changed the way we look at politics yeah, he kind of took Weekend Update and, well, and The Daily Show, I guess, which Craig Kilborn did before, but didn't really have the reputation that it had. No, at all and like once. He, he left The Daily Show and went to host Late Late before Craig Ferguson took right. over. And that, yeah. Yeah. But Jon Stewart, known to have kind of taken that, almost taken more of a serious comedic route, and well, where you're actually learning about what's going on totally. in the news while he's roasting everything that's wrong with it right but it's a fine line though because like everybody's seen john stewart take on bill o'reilly or when he went on crossfire and that show eventually dissolved after that or whatever like all of the the bitter fox news people who resent what john has said about them and the reputation that they have right um for falsifying fucking news Mm -hmm. um they they come at him for saying that he's irresponsible and not a good newsman. And he always says, I never said I was a newsman. Right. I'm not on a news program. Right. I'm, I'm a, on a I, comedy program. Well, I think he even said, like, The Daily Show follows a show about puppets. <laughs> like, right. Like, yeah. in the day it did or whatever. Right. Um, so that's true to an extent, but I also think it is it is a bit of a truncation of the truth to ignore the, the fact that people are getting their political news from The Daily Show. Oh, yeah. He is absolutely influencing generations of voters. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, well, to, a cent- to an extent, he is a newsman. And there's a there was a study done, I remember, years ago 
Um, I think it might have been during the Obama election. And it was saying that people that watched The Daily Show were far better educated about what was going on in the news than people that just watched the news. Yeah, but uh, better educated to what capacity? Because they like, just they, they had a broader sense of of issues happening. Because I've often I, like I've been trying to be really conscious of this lately. And I'm not sure what brought it on exactly, but I'm a liberal minded person who probably enjoys these shows as much as he does because they are so clearly skewed liberal. And right. the biggest difference is that there are no satirical shows on mainstream networks that skew Republican right. or conservative in the case of, of Canadian comedy. Mm. So maybe it's easier for us to, because comedy's cool, right? Comedy's right. like, it's, it's rock and roll in a way. Right. They make being uh, philosophically democratic or liberal seem cool that's a good way of putting it i don't know if you could do that from a maybe maybe not now but what if it went the other way and what if the conservative nature uh of of politics kind of got the first crack at late night comedy yeah i just couldn't see it being as as with the rest of i, I feel like it would be way more aggressive and way less sarcastic and probably way, way more you know because you couldn't uh, it, it boggles my mind to think about it. Because, it's hard, right? Because them addressing something like gun control and saying mm. like, I don't know, I guess it could be done. I guess it could be done, but I'm just picturing Jon Stewart doing it. But what I'm trying to idealize is a world where uh, liberal comedy was, mm. was, was never in the forefront. It was never right. primary. It was, always, it was always conservative. We are American in, in the comedy. Right. And would that make comedy more more redneck now or would it just or or would would generations of young people who think comedy is cool be more inclined to vote for trump than hillary yeah well it's funny because there is definitely like a redneck there's legitimately a redneck comedy tour yeah and that had a huge following it like did. to a point like i remember being in junior high and kids on my hockey team saying like you might be a redneck <laughs> like that was a thing for a long time yeah. so that i guess could have caught on if some one of them but I don't necessarily think that any of them have those conservative Republican values. They might have just been playing along with being a redneck. Because, like, the other thing I'm trying to be more conscious of is it's not necessarily correct to be liberal. Like, no, just, just I because, know. Like, I do all, agree with that. All the people who, who like, I, I am around. Yeah. Like, I, I'll say stuff on the air sometimes that is, like, distinctly taking a stance on, on like, like, not that I get, like, really political on the show, but, right. like, uh, occasionally, just just criticizing Trump, I'll be sure. like, wait a second, like, maybe there are people who voted for Harper who would vote for Trump. Yeah, they're, they're definitely are. Listening to this show, and I'm not really supposed to do that on FM radio. Right. Uh, but because I just, I, I, I submerse myself in other liberal-minded people, it's easy for me to forget that there are communities and towns and cities full of people that skew Republican or right. conservative but, first. But Harper Harper to Trudeau or, you know, wh whatever you want to call it, is not the same as nope. as Trump to Clinton at all. No, but... Trump is a, is a character. True, but a big part of the reason Trump is still has a fighting chance is at all... Is because people obviously believe him. And a sp well, because people refuse to subvert from their conservative habits sure yeah. so like this is the biggest problem with american politics from my entirely uneducated perspective mm -hmm. is that it's so partisan that people 
who don't vote for who you voted for are idiots and in fact should be lined up and killed. But you know what's interesting about this is that this is the first time that people have gone to the the DNC and actually booed the candidate. True. So that shows you kind of where, you know, at least from that liberal stance, there were two people that were so opposed that one didn't necessarily fit into the other. Although there's a big push for that to happen. People are saying, okay, like we get it. You didn't vote for Bernie, but you should still vote for Hillary because it's better than the alternative of getting Donald Trump. But you make a good point because I, I here I am trying to figure out if, if being liberal-minded or conservative-minded, if there's a right or a wrong, and I'm almost certain there isn't. But it does say something about liberal-minded people that they're willing to admit that they're dissatisfied with their candidate, right. doesn't it? Whereas I think I think are, that's happening more on the on the Democratic side. Absolutely, than the Republican the, there side. are there are certainly millions of historically Republican voting Americans who are definitely dissatisfied that their guy is fucking Donald Trump. Yeah, but there was no booing at that convention, right? Which is ridiculous. Yeah. Anyway, how do we get here? Talking about John Stewart. This is where John Stewart takes right. you. Good Lord. John, we would have never had this conversation if it weren't for John Stewart. <laughs> short little John Stewart. I wonder if you're taller than him. Yeah, he's a short guy. I bet you're taller than him. I think he's like super short. Nice. Yeah. He seems like he would be tall though. He's not. Awesome. Yeah. I'm always pumped when I hear them taller than someone else. Um, Samantha B, have you watched much of her uh, show? No, I, I saw her comments after the Pulse nightclub shooting, and yeah. her, hers were my favorite. Like, everyone did one. She was so just gritty and yeah. in your face about it. Like, fuck off. Like, this is fucking ridiculous. Well, and it's nice when when one of these people is willing to say, if you disagree with me, then we're going to have to learn to live with that. But this is how I feel, and this is the way it should be. Like, it's right. nice when someone's brave enough especially on their show that's not a, an institution and no. could get canceled. Right. Like, and I'll, I'll uh, Bill Maher, we should talk about Bill Maher in a second. You could say something that can end your show. Right. And so, like, what if Samantha B had said, we need gun control, and it ended up being a, a cut in the fabric of her, of her success and fame? You can taste the risk when people say stuff that is matter of fact. Right. Especially when it's somebody you're used to laughing at. Right. And I also wonder, like, if she kind of had less to lose, though, and she could put way more out on the line, yeah, you know, she she true. didn't have to do the now we have a moment of silence for Orlando and like have a serious moment. She was like, let's get right into it. Fuck that. This is so stupid. Look at the stupid fucking selfies that he took. Yeah. Like, well, maybe that it was kind of the tone that that maybe it, it, it wasn't a risk because and I forget who I heard talking about this recently. Somebody on a podcast uh, was talking about how you can't change someone's mind. Right. Like, I forget who was talking about this recently, was it? I'm not going to come up with it. But somebody basically said, you're either pandering to people who agree with you, or you're antagonizing people who already don't agree with you. You know who it was? This is bizarre. It was Seth Rogen on Howard Stern yesterday. Oh, yeah. He was talking, because like, in the last election, he had a little bit of involvement, and mm -hmm. he said that, I'm kind of stepping away from this one, and maybe that's because he was a Bernie supporter. I don't know. Sure. He, uh, he basically said, like... And this is the biggest problem with, with The Daily Show is that you're not, you're educating facts, but you're not really changing hearts. No. And maybe they're not trying you're to. You're right, because the people that watch you are the, the liberally minded people anyway. And the people watching Samantha Bee probably already want there to be fewer guns. Right. Yeah, exactly. Right? It's hard to change. You're right. It's really hard to change people's mind. Well, such that they're willing to vote for a guy who 
like probably should never have it's access to nuclear crazy. codes. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah you know, Bill Maher. What, what do you think of Bill Maher? I can never really get past his his kind of Arrogance. pretentious feeling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't always agree with what Bill Maher says. I think he's really smart, though. I do too. Um, I do too. I I don't think he's a. I don't know. I I don't watch the show at all. I don't watch real time with Bill Maher. So Bill Maher hosted a show from from 1993 to 2002, a show called Politically Incorrect yeah. with Bill Maher. Yeah. What happened was. After 9-11 happened, I think we mentioned on a recent podcast, David Letterman was the first person to kind of address it in like a serious way. And he was still right. Dave about it. And there was there was lightness. And I think Saturday Night Live did a thing or two about it. And, right. and Bill Maher really dug into it. And because his show is so news central, right? Um, because politically incorrect in, in real time with Bill Maher, there really aren't that many differences, except one was on a network and one is on HBO. He said irreverently... And I mean, it's, I mean, his show helpfully was titled Politically Incorrect. This did not seem right. to, to make a difference, but he politically incorrectly said, say what you want about terrorists, suicide terrorists. They're not cowards. This is what he said. Right. And it ended up costing him his job and almost his career. Yeah. And he ended up getting a show at HBO and things are fine. Right. But he lost his show for saying that. Did, were people outraged yes. that he said that? People yeah. were outraged. Okay. And... You know, no one's going to take this show away from from us. So I'll say it's not cowardly to be a suicide terrorist. No, he didn't condone it. No, that was it was he was probably trying to make a joke that didn't, you know, jokes don't always work out. I get the I get the impression that maybe it wasn't a joke because because Bill tells he's very snarky and he's Mm -hmm. and he's smug a lot of the time. Smug's probably the best word for it. Smug. I think that's what bugs me. I'm like, yeah. But he he gets serious for long periods of time and he'll look in the camera and he'll kind of like lecture almost. Right. And he'll and he'll say how it is and how he feels. And he'll namely there a lot of the statements are things that no one else is saying. Like just recently he was on Colbert and this was an example of why Colbert's show is not working. It was not comedic. It was tense and it was awkward. He he steered bill down this this avenue of talking about police brutality and bill talked about how police are over celebrated and under punished right and a lot of what he said factually makes a lot of sense but it made people very uncomfortable sure yeah he, nobody you know lit their torches or sharpened right. their pitchforks or anything but, but stephen colbert included was uncomfortable Stephen was uncomfortable and Stephen <sighs> was trying to play devil's advocate a little bit right. it was just it was like Bill Maher has a nature to him that makes him want to say things that he knows are true, but people are afraid to say. Yeah. And that does make a good comedian. It does. And and it makes a good show. Yes. When no one else is doing those but things. But it's exhausting. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of mean. it. But it seems like a show that if I watched enough, I would be able to get into and kind of like roll my eyes sometimes, but mm-hmm. grin and bear it. Yeah. I don't know if there's many others on here besides like, you know, like the greats like Carson. I, I watched a little bit of Carson and it, you're right when you say that I think he kind of transformed late night TV for to, it to be what it is today. To the extent though that it's almost as if people are afraid to veer from it 50 years later. Yeah. Like it's been 53 years since Carson's first Start. Tonight Show yeah. when he uh, supposedly invented the formula and there are certain facets to the to the format that that seemed to be non-negotiable and nobody really can even explain why including like like when jimmy kimmel started jimmy kimmel live after he left the man show yeah he tried to not do his show in a suit like he right. tried to wear like a sweater 
or like a t-shirt or whatever. Yeah. And it didn't work. People didn't like it. Right. And Jay Leno's uh, primetime show, I'm not sure if he had a desk. Corden has a desk for only a portion of his show. Like people want to see you uh, behind a desk. And yeah. Seth Meyers talked about how if if you expect people to stay up that late for you, you should dress nicely for them. Sure. And I kind of think that's like a nice... Yeah. That's a nice thought. It's also, I, I forget who said this, but this makes a lot of sense as well, that it's a it's a really great juxtaposition to see a clown in a suit. Right. That, like, that's, it's it's almost as if the kids have taken over the school and they're pretending to be the teachers. Right. You know what I mean? Yep. Cool. Well, I have a, I have a game. Oh, cool. I don't know if you want to play it. I do. It's called Who Dat Host? Who Dat Host? And it's really just a trivia game. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to nail this. So uh, much better than we played a Game of Thrones trivia game. It's, I don't if it's really hard i don't think it's that hard i think you'll actually probably nail it okay okay uh who was the late night host that was formerly a member of the comedy troupe the cambridge footlights with richard iote uh richard iote from the it crowd yep um so like roughly that age i'm james corden john oliver oh okay it had to be a british guy yep okay yeah question the second which late night host won Bravo's Celebrity Poker Showdown and also gave four thousand dollars to Obama four thousand dollars to Obama's two thousand eight campaign? Uh, a late night host? Mm-hmm. This is a harder quiz than I expected. I know. I have uh, in parentheses there hard. <laughs> <laughs> uh, poker. Who plays poker? Jimmy Kimmel. Seth Meyers. Ah, oh, he would. Mm-hmm. Yep. So yeah, this one's definitely. I honestly just went through people's Wikipedia pages, people that I found interesting, and found something interesting that I didn't know about them, and put it into a trivia question. Okay. Um, for the most part, there's some things that I kind of knew. Which late night host? It gets a little dark here. Okay. Which late night host's father and two bros, as I wrote, Stephen Colbert. Yeah. Finish ki- the question. Killed in a plane crash. Yeah. That's so insane. Stephen Colbert's had kind of like a bit of a troubled past. He's had a, he's had tragedy in his life, and yeah. he had I think like eight brothers and sisters or something. Right. But I remember when his mom died, and his first Colbert rapport when he came out of character and like talked about his mom. It's really? like gut wrenching. Uh, yeah. There are a couple of great moments a, in in late night history where 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 those guys can make you cry. He's a pretty like uh, like religious and um, uh, emotional guy. I think. Yeah, I think so too. I think he's I think he's a real guy. You can see yeah. his emotions a lot in this new show because you can sense when he's uncomfortable. Right. Where when he was uncomfortable in the past he could hide behind the character. Totally. Are you familiar with what happened recently involving his character? No. So a couple of weeks ago, I guess it was probably during one of his shows post convention, mm-hmm. they did the word. Oh from the Colbert cool. Report. Yeah. So he went back into character and they did they did the old classic segment and a few days later, maybe a week later, Stephen Colbert explained that they basically got a phone call from Comedy Central or whoever was in charge back in the day. They claimed intellectual property and uh, said, okay. we, will, we will sue you if you do this again. And so Colbert then created this, this new character, which is Stephen Colbert's cousin, Stephen Colbert, who has the same political ideologies and has a segment called the word which is w-e-r-d right i don't know if i buy that they actually got threatened with a lawsuit because there's no way they would be so willing to thumb their nose at that threat right and and also what would they be what would comedy central be willing to gain at that point like dvd sales of a long-running late night show i don't know but there is a principle like i remember when conan first left nbc 
to go to TBS, they weren't allowed to do the Masturbating Bear anymore that belonged to NBC. Right. That's so weird. It's so weird. That's they wanted so to funny. keep the Masturbating Bear for no one to use. Just because they knew Conan would want it. <laughs> Which late night host famously handed Tom Hanks his Five Timers Club jacket in 1990? A late night host? His Five Timers for SNL? Yeah. Um, a late night host handed it to him, you say. Okay. In 1990? Yeah. Went on to become 1990. I have no idea. Conan O'Brien. Really? Yeah. Just as an extra? Yeah, he was just like a writer on the show. Like they needed him to like basically, he was kind of like a servant. I want. Just- I wanted to say Conan, but I was like, I mean, he wasn't famous before 1993. Right. Interesting. Yeah. This is a funny one. Which late night host started his career as a radio weatherman who received attention for unpredictable on-air behavior, like congratulating tropical storms for being upgraded to hurricanes <laughs> and giving weather reports for fictitious cities. That's so funny. David Letterman. Yeah. That's so funny that he would do that. <laughs> Isn't that great? Yeah. Like, and I didn't even, as soon as I saw that, I was like, this is the best thing ever. David Letterman's a cool example of a guy who, like, is revered and, and he's like a legend and the fictitious cities like it was really funny it was like there's eight inches in and around Bingingham, like, <laughs> like really strange names he uh he's not known for having been the best stand-up like there are some people who like who adore his stand-up but right. he didn't get into it because he wanted to be a stand-up he just wanted to be like johnny carson right which I, f- I find it interesting that like Johnny Carson was was instrumental in in his not getting the Tonight Show, and he still he loved Johnny so much that he still didn't, never said a bad word about him, right? Even though he was so openly bitter. Yeah, it was interesting. Yeah, I wonder if they ever, did they like hang behind the scenes. No, I, I, I mean died? I think a handful of people have like had like been to Johnny's house or whatever in right. Malibu, but. Much like Johnny Carson, David Letterman is like one of those private people who's not who's not a celebrity friends type. Right, gotcha. And I, I think both of them were interested in disappearing as soon as possible. You know who I think would be one of the coolest late night hosts to hang out with? Who? Jimmy Kimmel. Jimmy Kimmel is everyone's best friend in Hollywood. He's got like these cool Sunday football parties where he's got eight screens and like Adam Carolla and Bill Simmons and like a bunch of actors go over and they like bet on the game. Oh, like George drunk. Clooney and Jennifer Aniston are two of his like dearest friends. Oh, really? It's bizarre the level of fame like yeah. that could come to his parties. And he's on a show with cousin Sal and yeah. you know like like I love that. Yeah, well, and and uh, he's very good friends with with Howard Stern as well. He adores Howard Stern, right? Um, almost as much as Letterman, maybe not right. quite as much, but sure. Uh, what do you think about the over the over homogeny of white males in late night? Are there too many shows? Uh, too many shows. The name of our podcast. Yeah. Are there, are there too many podcast shows? Uh, no, no, I don't think so. I think you can keep. I don't know that it necessarily needs to be the same white comedian doing them, which I don't think it is. I think it's you know anyone's got a. No, and I, and I'm not like a like a social justice warrior. Like I'm sure. not I'm not I'm not saying there needs to be more uh, people of color in in the format. There needs to be more women in the. Maybe there does, right. but I'm not saying either that anybody has the job they shouldn't have. Right. But it is a thing that people bring up. Like I've mentioned a couple of times on the podcast. I like Chelsea's Netflix show. Right. And I watched a little of that too. Yeah. Yeah. And she seemed yeah she seemed like the Chelsea that I. 
she's a little kind of kind of dry and, she's dry and, she's like a little awkward in it like she's not yeah. good at reading the teleprompter she's right. not that natural right uh but there's a good production value behind her show yeah there's a bit of like a i don't give a fuck about it too which i kind of like yeah who do you think is the most tormented out of the list so interesting we always have the conversation about uh the underlying narrative of jimmy fallon kind of being a an alcoholic who's got a really dark side well yeah but we don't know that he's actually got the dark side he might just kind of be a bit of a party animal and it seems like that's everything that's the thing that every long-form interviewer wants to talk to jimmy fallon about is is his clean-cut nature not not the the b-side to his apparent story or his sordid life it's right. how are you just like are you really this happy all the time right. and, and like other people will say jimmy's really that happy all the time or he's really like a nice guy yeah but there's just something that we don't know mm-hmm. and that's true of every celebrity right what's the truth you know yeah where where do we toe the line in the middle i don't think he's the most tormented of all the late night people i think that i think conan might be i think conan might be conan's talked in interviews i've heard before about how he's like struggled with depression and, right and I, I heard him say on the nerdist podcast that he's always been a guy that has to hit the bottom of the pool before he goes back up to the top okay which i found kind of like a, a good metaphor it's like, a good image he's just like i need to be really sad before i can <laughs> get happy again yeah he's i've also heard him talk about the fraudulence complex like i think he's the first person i ever heard talk about that okay what's that the the thing where you are so sure there's been a mistake you're not you're definitely not as good as everybody says you are eventually someone's going to come in realize that you don't deserve all this and take it all away from you i had that really long time like when I started doing radio, I hate to compare myself to Conan O'Brien. It's not, sure. it's not like that. I'm I just, think a lot of people in their young 20s have that too, though. Maybe you're right. Maybe you're right. But like, I pursued this career, which was so far removed from anything I ever considered I'd be able to do. And I think it was because it, it was out of desperation. Like university wasn't working out for me. And like, I didn't let, I didn't like do the responsible thing in university and buckle down and, and be an adult. And then I was kind of out of options. So I went into this radio program, which I'd had an interest in. But I hadn't really thought about too deeply because, I mean, I was the kid who was like terrified to give a presentation in front of his class. Right. Like, I'm not going to be a radio announcer. Sure. And then uh, I, I went into the program and I'm like, okay, I bought myself two years. I'm here in school for two years. Mm-hmm. I don't have to actually pretend that I can do radio for two years. And then the two years run out. I go out and, you know, you start applying for jobs, anybody right. who will have you because you need to start working. And I ended up getting a good one first, like right up until... I did that first radio show. I couldn't I couldn't help but remember I don't know how to do a radio show. Right. No one ever told me how to do it. And throw on top of that, I'm fucking terrified. I yeah. I, I, I I can't do this. I don't have the natural ability. And for a good year I I kept telling myself they haven't figured out yet that I don't know how to do this. Right. And then somewhere along the line, though you don't notice it happen, you're you're not faking knowing how to do it anymore. You do know how to do it. Right. I always go back to uh, a line about there being dumber people than me doing the same thing or doing more important things. Anytime I think that I'm like, oh God, I'm in over my head here. How did I? No, way stupider people, if that's a word. I think it is. Stupider's no. word. Yeah, sure. Way more dumber stupid. people yeah. have done this than I have. That definitely applies to radio announcers as well. <laughs> sure. But yeah, 100%. There are, there are lots of dumb radio announcers in the world, but like, a thing that I struggle with, and this has like been especially prevalent ever since I started doing radio on my own again, mm-hmm. solo. Right. Um, I I have a really hard time repelling the urge to 
pretend I'm smarter than I am. Okay. Like I'm really desperate to use like $5 words. Okay. And to talk about stuff I don't have business talking about. Oh, okay. See, I thought that just kind of came natural to you. Well, that's good. That means I'm still right. faking <laughs> You're it. You're selling it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I also like there, there's a certain part of me that's, that's saying, you know, you sound like a pretentious fuck. Like you sound sure, even if like you I are, don't need to be saying that. Yeah, that like way. E- even if even if what you said isn't wrong, you didn't need to say it. You just right. said it to prove that you can say it. Right. And there's another part of me that's like, well, I have the right to do that. Yeah. And, and but but I don't actually. There's there's a I'm big... wrong when I say I have the right to do. It. You never have the right to pretend you're smarter than you are. Right. A lot of people would say if you can use less syllables in communicating an idea, do it. Right, that Aaron Sorkin says, why say something in five words if you can say it in 50? <laughs> that's funny, but... It, that's that's him. Yeah, yeah, that's definitely Aaron Sorkin. It, but it's also, I mean, like, I, he's like one that's, of my creative heroes. Sure, so it's, he's it's a wrong. style. He's right. wrong. <laughs> right, yeah, I was going to say, it, it could be a style preference thing, too. You could be the person that changed radio for being different, you know? Probably not. Hey, um, dream big. Yeah, well, I always have have dreamt big, mm-hmm. but I I have to imagine like the, for the like occasionally people will like tell my mom if they work with my mom they'll be like your son is so smart because you know they heard me use the word um, ubiquitous right but I I didn't have to and so right. there are a lot of other people out there who either didn't know the word mm-hmm. or they knew the word and they know a, a more human word right that are going. Go fuck yourself. What like? So are you making an effort to rather no. than no, not right now. I mean, like, there, there's another part of me that I don't think that we should be against elevating our consciousness and our sure. and our efforts. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that we should be lowest common denominator to get the most people. I don't think that we should like dumb things down. Right. But it's an interesting line to walk. Right. You know. I guess the thing for me, the thing that I would always try to do when I'm writing is make it the most accessible for the most amount of people. Okay. And maybe that is lowest common denominator, but if I know that no one's going to struggle with what I'm writing. Yeah, if I could be lowest common denominator without sounding like stuff that I hate. Right, sure. I I wouldn't have a problem with that. Yeah. But like sometimes I'm told to settle down, to cool your jets a little bit, don't use words like that on the radio. Right. And the only alternative I can think sounds exactly like everything i hate about most radio people okay like i i think that i'm good at radio in spite of not being good at any of the things radio people are good at right you know like like thinking on my feet like speaking in clear sentences without stuttering sure like having uh, a, a quick sense of humor yeah um like being able to formulate a story without falling off on all these different streams of consciousness right that's why I wanted to do this podcast with you because right. it's a show where there are no rules. And I think that the only position that I would ever enjoy doing is being a third member on a morning show podcast or a morning show podcast on a morning show where I could literally just like chime in with. You'd be really good at that though, because you're, you're a punchline person. Right. Whereas That's all I'm, that I want. Right. Well, you're really good at that. I'm a story person. Yeah. And so like, which is, I think clear to anyone that would listen to this podcast. Maybe that's true. Yeah. I hope that's true. Uh, I mean, I love stories, but I tell stories on the air. And one of the ways I, one of the ways I faked being a radio announcer when I first started was Mm -hmm. 
writing out my my breaks verbatim and program right. directors would say you can't do that you can't write out your show that's just not realistic right. so i kept doing it anyway right and i still do it yeah you know i've been doing it for four years and i don't say a word on the radio that wasn't scripted right and you might not know that by hearing me you're just good at acting now i guess that's partly it yeah yeah i can perform it like this is interesting because I, I just started the aaron sorkin screenwriting um master online becky got it for me for my birthday and i'm i'm like a super geeking out about it mm -hmm. I, all i've watched so far is his introductions just this four minute video he says this is what this is right this is what you're going to get out of it and he takes a moment to apologize for not being as eloquent as his characters oh nice he says uh if, if i have if i have a paper or a computer I can tell a story or convey an idea in a straight line. But right. speaking, I stutter and I stumble all over yeah. the place and I subvert, much like I just said that I do. So sure. it actually, it brings me a lot of comfort to hear that one of my creative heroes is like me in that way. Well, and I think you're a little, you can speak very clearly. Like I, when I'm hearing myself talk, I'm stammering and stuff. You can carry it. If you don't listen to this podcast, you don't stammer as much as you think you do. Yeah, that might be true. But uh, but I'm, I, I, I side with Sorkin on that. I would rather write an email than have a phone call. But so do I. That's what okay. I was getting to is that I'm also better at communicating on paper. I just happen to work in a forum that tricks you into thinking I'm not communicating on paper. Right. I am communicating on paper. It's all written. Right. But yeah, that's fair. you don't have to imagine me reading it when you listen to me talk. Right. Right now, I'm not reading it. Are you sure? I don't know. What's what on that laptop? I, I wrote this whole show. <laughs> Could you imagine? <laughs> Somehow the responses were even scripted to things I was saying. Yeah. You had everything in the can. The By whole the way, time. you're a tremendous actor. It's <laughs> yeah. so natural for you. Well, hey, this is my <laughs> uh, this is my life. This is my passion. Have you ever talked to your sister about that? Your sister who's a playwright? No. Just conveying story and... Not really, no. To be uh, economical? Our conversations are typically, hey... <laughs> who have you seen that's famous lately? Yeah, I would also. And how that shit. cool was that? And <laughs> did you talk to this person? Right. And yada yada. I could talk to her about storied stuff, but I'm out of my I'm out of my element. Yeah, but I, I'd be curious about that. I think. Like, I, I I have friends. I really don't want to talk about anything other than art. Like this, that's a really pretentious sentence that I just said, and I, I felt it be slimy. But as you it came meant, out of my mouth. You meant art on like a really wide scale. Anything that can be considered creative in any capacity if we're not talking about that i don't i'm over this conversation right and that's true like if we're talking about stuff at work right. there's a creative element to that so sure. that's that's fine but i i am completely disinterested in a conversation that's not <laughs> about the weather that's not art you, related you are conversations <laughs> about the weather and colin sweets are are absolutely poison for each other yeah but i have to do weather forecasts on my radio show so it's just Right, <laughs> but that's less of a conversation about the weather and just saying what's going on. But if I ran into you in an elevator and I said, it's raining out right now. Well, to the point where like, I'll walk up six flights of stairs before I take the elevator with a stranger right. because I don't want to talk about the weather. Yeah. Honestly, it gives me anxiety. Really? Yeah, it does. Just talking about the weather. Where was I going with that? I don't want to talk about anything unless it's creative art. in nature. Oh, so like I've got other friends who are students of other forms of art. Like I'm never going to be an actor. I don't mm -hmm. care to be an actor. I don't I don't have any compulsion to, to follow that line of art. But I find it interesting. And so when I see my friends who are actors, I want to know about acting. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's interesting. But like what do you want to know? Like, hey, how did you deliver that line? How did you decide to act no but like the the process like i i have friends in theater troops who 
as a group have to write a family musical right. and i want to know like how is that put together and like sure. how, how does how does ego play into it or right. is it true that all actors worth their salt can cry and like right. i don't know just whatever comes up in conversation okay yeah i get i get that sure i think some of that stuff i would talk to my sister about asking her about her life which happens yeah, to but, be art related but i'm not asking about i guess i'm not asking much about storytelling like where did you get that idea from but a creative process is very fascinating isn't it it is. And I guess I would be interested to know, like, where does she get those ideas from? Yeah. Like, how did you, what made you want to write that? Which is why, to take it back to Late Night Talk, I, I love hearing these guys get on a long form podcast and talk about just like how they go about their day. Oh, I come in at 10 o'clock. There's a stack of different newspapers on my desk. I go through them for two hours. Then I take a lunch with Lorne Michaels. And the, like, right. I just, I'm curious to hear about yeah. the buildup sure. towards taping. Exactly. The, uh, listening to the process is, is, pretty entertaining you're right especially when it's someone who's super well known i love to hear about the routines of people and oh yeah what they have for breakfast yeah even it's like well oh cool well uh, jimmy fallon was the first person i ever heard of who put butter in his coffee and like that became a bit of a trend bulletproof coffee right because people put like oils and stuff in their coffee coconut oil kind of became the sub the substitute for people who can't get grass-fed butter right yeah so that that was that's just an example of something i found interesting right i mean rolling stone is really good for that and like kind of telling you what's going on in that person's life totally well Well, we took a a couple of of strange turns i'm sorry if i got too personal at times no that's fine man we, we've talked about The Tonight Show a lot because, like, that's kind of considered the quintessence of late night. Like, mm-hmm. it's—and it's especially been s- slated that way since the second late night wars involving Conan and, right. and Jay Leno. Like, Conan had this sense of protection over the, the franchise, The Tonight Show, and then it was taken away from him. So it felt like because Conan is hurting— this thing must have been valuable. Right. And there previously had been a war for The Tonight Show. And then when Jimmy Fallon got The Tonight Show, it really it, it meant something in pop culture. Yeah. So what is it about this show? Why is it that people think that it, it makes it, like it's, it's really important to be hosting a show called The Tonight Show? Because it, it seems to me that it's, it's arrogant to, to pretend that you're hosting Johnny's show. You're hosting a show with your name on it. At the end of the day, it doesn't matter that the show's called The Tonight Show. We call it Fallon. Right. Well, that's the same that's the same thing as Saturday Night Live though. Although we still call that show Saturday Night Live. It's I not disagree the same show. because because late night talk shows are so unilateral and they're so specific to the one person that I mean, I mean they're era based, mm-hmm. but because there's a cast of upwards of 25 people on Saturday Night Live. Right. It splinters off one by one. So the the different eras of SNL mesh together like a sure. fabric. Right, Whereas right. when somebody leaves The Tonight Show, the show stops and a new show starts. And they have a new set and the colors are right. different and yeah, the okay. band sounds okay, different. Okay, I see what you're saying. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, it, I mean, on the one hand, I get that there's a gravity to hosting The Tonight Show. Mm-hmm. But I also think it's kind of bullshit. Well, I mean, it's bullshit if they do a shitty job of it. Otherwise, they're they're hosting the Tonight Show. Like right now, I consider Jimmy Fallon to be doing a good, a good job hosting the Tonight Show because everyone's on board with him. And frankly, I consider him the king of late night. Yeah, like even though Jimmy Kimmel's been doing it for like thirteen years, right? Jimmy Fallon has the highest ratings by like a, a huge substantiation. Yeah, and he he just seems to be wait, love him or hate him, he seems to be on top. Right. And he seems comfortable doing it now. Yeah, that's definitely true. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of, of SNL, did you see who's leaving? Yeah. Taron Killam, Jay Farrow, and uh, that dude. Taron Killam got fired. 
Yeah. Like he didn't like get they renewed. They chose to not renew him. And I don't know if that's true with Jay Farrow. Like I kind of get it with Jay Farrow because he was like the bulk of what he was doing was Obama. Right. And the Obama era is over yeah. for Saturday Night Live. Yeah. So maybe he'd be less useful. And like we've seen what he can do now. There's and, like less. Um, um, shock and even factor. with that, there was no Obama skits like this year. No. Who cares? Yeah. You know? I think Taron Killam will, is most likely to go on and do kind of big things. Like he's directed a couple movies and he's. Yeah, but like, shouldn't he have been a a B character in like a well known movie by now? Like, shouldn't he have been uh, Brie Larson's husband in Trainwreck? <laughs> wow, that's a great uh, great question. Not Mike Berbiglia. I think it's. I just mean like that. That is a thing that he could have done. Totally, and it would have been a sign that he would be okay. You're totally right, but maybe he didn't want that. You know, maybe he's pursuing different creative yeah. things like directing or writing these other movies and he's waiting to get catch his own wave reminds me of a thing new. that Berbiglia was talking about in the nerdist about how uh being present is considered successful and i think jonah commented on it as well about how like if you go away from the public eye people assume you're not successful right almost like like prevalence is more important than relevance right you're totally right like like hearing someone's name all the time means that they must be doing well whereas if someone's executive producing a shit ton of things and raking in money, you're like, man, they fell off the face of the earth. Mark Hamill is a good example of that. Mark Hamill? Yeah. Okay. Because he's done a ton of voice acting. Oh, my God. Like, he's had a, his own career in itself, but people are like, Luke Skywalker, where's that dummy? I guess that's true. I mean, there are definitely small cults of people who are very aware that he played the Joker so beautifully. and Yeah. But you're right. There but are a lot. Pretty lots... small cults, I think. Yeah, probably. You know, I think if you took a poll of everyone at our office... Uh, like an office that's a weird sample an office yeah an office of people that work in the radio industry that are familiar with voiceover not a whole lot of them know that mark hamill did a ton of voiceover work i guess that's true maybe mark hamill will get a late night talk show i hope he does be interesting so as it turns out it was wise not to trust will smith Mm -hmm. suicide squad was bad god man did you see it no i didn't see it fuck it sucked All right. Well, in future endeavors, don't trust Will Smith. We told you so. Don't trust Will Smith. Until he puts out a movie that we like again, don't trust Will Smith. Hitch 2. <laughs> Hitcher. Turn it over and switch. <laughs> You're right. That was, uh... that was the last time we could trust Will Smith. All right. Never go outside. Never go outside. <laughs>